Coming up on Stu Does America, we speak to the man the social justice warrior Twitter army just can't keep down. The one and only Adam Carolla joins us tonight, and Hollywood is in the midst of its very own moral panic. We give you the latest embarrassing examples. Be sure to hit the thumbs up like button on YouTube. Do it right now before I become so engaging that you forget. This helps us defeat the algorithm robots and allows people to actually see the show, so please help. Podcast listeners, you've made a smart choice in avoiding the visuals of the show, so please go ahead and rate and review us. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars, and a nice, timeless, you know, it's great, whatever, will go a long way. I only beg you for these things every day because of the future of the show and the universe depending on it. That's it. No big deal. And finally, head to blazetv.com slash stew and use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. My main goal on this show is to get canceled for being politically incorrect before I get canceled for lack of performance. Coming up, Adam Carolla helps me achieve my goals. Stew does America. Coming up, Adam Carolla, who has a great new book that outlines exactly how insane we have all become. And somehow, despite using a book, he's basically been able to predict the news cycle exactly. In fact, there is one prediction in the book I am not sure that I would have believed unless I checked it myself. We'll talk to Adam in just a minute. But his book dives into cancel culture, and it gets more and more insane by the day. Just in the last 24 hours, the Dixie Chicks have been canceled. They will now be renamed the Chicks because the word Dixie is now apparently evil. Don't tell the cups. You have to assume the name The Chicks is temporary, too, though, because gone next week, well, that's going to be out of here when they realize that The Chicks is incredibly sexist. Then they will be forced to get a new name, which I assume will just be the word The. However, that will also be canceled when they figure out that the word The includes the word He, and that will leave them with just the letter T. Still, unless they can rename themselves a time machine that goes back to 1999, no one's going to listen to their crappy music anyway. Actress Kristen Bell has been canceled as well from her role in an Apple TV cartoon where she used to voice the role of Molly on the show Central Park, which apparently exists. And Jenny Slate, who is apparently a person who also exists, was canceled from her role as the voice of Missy on the cartoon Big Mouth on Netflix. What is perhaps the craziest part of all of this is that these people were not canceled by angry mobs. All of these people canceled themselves. Now, before we go on, we need to pause for a second. I can't stress to you how insane this is about to get. Your head is going to spin and you're going to pray for it to pop off your shoulders. Please prepare yourself. Here is what Kristen Bell said about stepping down as a voice of a cartoon character. This is a time to acknowledge our acts of complicity. Here is one of mine. Playing the character of Molly on Central Park shows a lack of of awareness of my pervasive privilege. She went on, casting a mixed race character with a white actress undermines the specificity of mixed race and black American experience. I mean, this is objectively bonkers. Our acts of complicity? She sounds like she was doing the accounting for a company in the slave trade. 
You got hired to order a car. You're freaking speaking of the voice of a cartoon character, you dunce. Relax. And your pervasive privilege. Your employer saw some talent in you, along with some name recognition, a friendly face for publicity, and not to mention a husband with one of the top podcasts in America to promote it. No knock on Kristen Bell's ability, which is fine. But there are a lot more talented white people out there that could have been given that gig, too. It's not a white thing. The show itself also released a statement. Kirsten, along with the entire creative team, recognizes that the casting of a character of Molly is an opportunity to get representation right, to cast a black or mixed race actress and give Molly a voice that resonates with all of the nuance and experiences of the character as we've drawn her. Black or mixed race? How are you going to hire a black actress to voice this role? The character is of mixed race. If a black person is qualified to do it, shouldn't a white person also at least be as qualified to do it? And by the, and and I use air quotes here, logic of Kristen Bell, you literally can't hire a black person to do it. To paraphrase her statement, casting a mixed race character with a black actress undermines the specificity of the mixed race and the white American experience. So I guess you're only limited to mixed race people for the job. A job that I remind you is literally defined as pretending to be someone you are not. Keep all this in mind as we turn to the certifiably insane situation of Jenny Slate. When she stepped down from her role as the voice of a frigging cartoon, she said, at the start of the show, I reasoned with myself that it was permissible for me to play Missy because her mom is Jewish and white, as am I. But Missy is also black, and black characters on an animated show should be played by black people. (laughs) What? So she actually is a mixed-race person voicing a mixed-race character, And this is the same mix as the mom of the character. And even that is not good enough. I what? Seriously, how can Netflix support a show where this cartoon character child is voiced by an adult? Shouldn't it also be a child voicing it? Shouldn't it even be a child named Missy? She went on to acknowledge that portraying Missy, uh, she was, of course, Engaging in an act of erasure of black people. (laughs) This is so ridiculous. Ending my portrayal of Missy is one step in a lifelong process of uncovering the racism (laughs) in my actions. Look, I know all of these woke actresses own their own stories and their own voices and their own truths. And who am I to deny them of that. If they tell me they've uncovered racism in their actions, I guess they're racists. Big, fat, dirty racists. If you tell me you're nothing but a bunch of David Dukes in cocktail dresses, who am I to doubt you? But having a mixed race actress lend her voice to a fictional cartoon character is absolutely not an act of erasure of black people. In fact, in this example, it is literally the opposite. They are drawing a black person, not erasing one. 
All of this comes down from the same crowd that just last week forced Aunt Jemima to remove the legacy of an actual black actress for portraying the role of an actual black person, despite the vocal opposition of her actual black family. The real privilege of Kristen Bell is that she can afford to virtue signal her job away because she just gets to go home to her $4.3 million house and feel good about herself. But how does this craziness affect real people in the real world? How does it affect the single mom who has a job as an accountant and gets replaced by someone else because she has the wrong skin tone? Perhaps if she can make some changes in her life and start identifying as a single dad, she'd get her job back. I feel more and more out of the mainstream when I say this, but you should never make any decision be based on skin color. Ever. For any reason. I thought we agreed on this, but apparently not. And beyond how it affects the person losing their job, what does it say to the next person who gets it? Hey, guess what? We didn't think you were the best person for the job. And you didn't earn it because of your ability. You got it because we felt bad for you. Only we, the superior white people, in our everlasting grace, are allowed to utilize our mercy and our judgment to give you the job you couldn't get on your own. No need to thank us. We've already thanked ourselves. Look, we're talking about a character I've never heard of on a show I've never watched, voiced by a comedian I didn't know existed. But it's more than, more than that. It's your future, and more and more, it's your present. Adam Carolla joins us to tell us how far gone we really are. Next. Who does America? I want to tell you about Fast Blast. This is a great way to beat cravings. You know, getting through the day sometimes is hard when you're trying to lose weight. And you have that moment. You're like, screw it. Just give me the freaking Doritos. I'm going to shovel them down the throat and get this day over with. But instead, you can go grab something that is actually tastes good and is good for you. The Fast Blast smoothie. Uh, I like these as a snack, even on days I'm not doing the intermittent fasting thing. They're great to kill a craving. They work really well. Uh, They fill you up. Intermittent fasting is foreign to a lot of people. Fast blast, though, are the experts, not foreign to them. They'll walk you through it step by step. In my experience, it is by far the fastest way to drop those extra pounds. The fast blast smoothie is uniquely formulated for intermittent fasting. On fasting days, you have like one smoothie every couple of hours, lots of liquids, and it helps keep you satisfied. The smoothies come in a convenient and easy-to-use squeezable pouch. No blender, no scales, no calorie or carb counting. You don't have to deal with any of that. Just lose weight fast, and you'll feel it come off fast with Fast Blast. We always tell you to do your own homework, so of course I urge you to learn more about fasting at fastblast.com slash blaze. Fastblast.com slash blaze. Of course, make sure to use the slash blaze part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Get started today with Fastblast for a healthier and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. He likes cars, beer, dogs, and hates cancel culture. Please welcome to the program, author of the new book, I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, Navigating our all-woke, no-joke culture, and the host of the Adam Carolla Show podcast. It is Adam Carolla. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. First of all, the book is really freaking funny. I mean, I cannot remember laughing out loud at a book in a very long time. Uh, And you go into some stuff that is... I don't it's it's almost as if you predicted the future here with the news cycles. Uh, We are in the middle of dealing with 
examples you have in the book and just throwing exclamation points uh, after them. Um, and a couple of things you pointed out. Let me start with this. You do this a couple of times in the book and it pissed me off, honestly, because you kept catching me in it where you would say, hey, remember Nicholas Sandman? Well, here's an 85 year old pro-life uh, supporter. Do you remember this story? Um, you did it again. You did it again with, hey, remember this big high pr- profile African-American who was killed? How about this white guy was killed? Do you did you remember that one? I didn't remember any of the examples you used. And I, I have to you know listen to the news every day. There's a serious problem with our media if if that's true. Well, what our media is doing is they've went from reporting to sort of painting portraits. You know, it's sort of like your job is to be a photographer, take a picture, put the picture up, not craft your own landscape and they're crafting their own narrative. I mean, obviously we're aware of it, but they're they're You know, it's called report like that person did this or did that. The cop shot someone or didn't shoot someone or somebody shot the cop. Just just report the story. And if they're going to be selective about it, which they definitely are, then they're going to create a narrative. And once they create that narrative, it just sort of becomes ensconced in in folklore like it just is. And that's why you're seeing so much of the unrest that we're seeing now. Yeah, it strikes me sometimes with these stories um, with like the white girl uh, that's attractive, young and gets kidnapped genre of the news is similar to what we do with white police officer kills uh, African-American citizen. Like there's just these genres of things that we hype for for no reason, even if they're not the most prominent example of the type of crime. We do this to feed the narrative. You touched on that a lot with the true crime sort of analysis that you go through as well in the book. Can you talk about that? Yeah, no, you're you're making a very valid point, which is sort of in the book, which is we have we kind of have an ethnic full pendulum swing. So if a young girl is abducted and killed and she's a young young girl of color, like they're not that interested. But if it's a blonde cheerleader like Natalie Holloway or something that all of a sudden, oh, yes, then all the moms get behind that. And then when it comes to the other side of the pendulum swinging, if a black officer shoots a white citizen or black officer shoots a black citizen. It's like, eh, eh, not so much there. (laughs) But if the white cop shoots the black guy, now we have something. And my argument is, is whether it's someone being abducted or cop shooting somebody, let's not have it predicated on what color they are and what narrative we're trying to push forward and what group we're trying to get to buy tide. Yeah, you made a really good observation on on Russia that I had never really thought of in that there was this whole Russia thing. We went through the whole scandal. It was all about politics to us. But that's not what it was about for Russia. Russia saw a weakness of ours being these sort of racial divides, and they were able to attempt to exploit them throughout the election, not because of Trump versus Clinton, but because of black versus white. Yeah, they wanted chaos. I I don't think they wanted Clinton. And I don't think they wanted Trump. I think they wanted chaos and, you know, mission accomplished. (laughs) Uh, It worked. We took it. We bit it uh, hook, line and sinker. And yeah, I'm glad you uh, read the book and I'm glad you took time to look at it. And and first and foremost, it's funny. I want people to understand that I am a comedian and I write about subjects that are serious, but I do write about them in a comedic way. 
yeah, I, 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 it's hard to capture that, I guess, in some ways here because, you know, we're doing a new show and I'm going, I'm pushing on the topics. Every one of these topics is hilarious, though. I mean, it, it is really, really well done and really, really funny. Um, you go into uh, the, uh, the, the, the culture on campus as well uh, in depth. And I know you're, you're pretty well known for this. Um, you, you blame, <laughs> I never heard anyone blame Hitler for the, <laughs> the way that we have sort of developed in this country. I, I've heard Hitler blame for almost everything else, but you actually found a new thing to blame Hitler for. Jeez, I don't even remember that chapter in the book. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> well, you say that basically the way we... I really don't. I, I, I... Go, go, here, let me, let me hit you with it. You said basically, um, and you tell me if I got the point right. Um, basically, you, uh, we sent off of, to World War II a whole generation of parents. They came back. Um, and they were very angry, uh, some of them, and some of them didn't come back at all. And then they were raised in, in, in a totally different um, uh, you know, type of family, which then led to the protesters of the 60s, which then led to them leading, uh, raising this generation into a bunch of wusses that couldn't handle anything. Do I have that right? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I've... I've- that that I said, uh, the, the Hitler part, I was like, huh? But uh, yeah. And also uh, it's uh, the emperor of Japan as mm-hmm. well. Like yeah. we're fighting a Pacific war simultaneously as, as well as a European war. But yeah, uh, I guess my theory was the parents of today's college student decided that they shouldn't be parents. They should be friends to their children. This, Mm -hmm. this became this thing. Like I want to be my kid's best friend. Well, guess what? He doesn't, he doesn't respect authority now because you weren't the dad or the mom. You were their best friend growing up. And that's why we're in the predicament we are now. Yeah. Um, let me go over to another, you got more on, uh, on rape culture you get into. Um, there's a whole chapter on me too. Uh, I mean, each one of these is worth its weight, but Uh, When you go into the rape culture thing, there's a fundamental problem with the argument that every uh, young daughter is going off to college and getting assaulted Um, because it would be insane to send your child to college and and, and act as if it's some achievement to be accepted to a college if what was going to happen is they were going to get assaulted. Um, this is this this is a, there's a real I don't know a weird mindset that do, that makes people want to believe that these things are, are so terrible for our, our daughters and yet it is a it's it's very heavy in the liberal mindset. Well, it's kind of my example of they don't really believe their own statements because mm. if people are saying one in five women is sexually assaulted on college campuses then why are you saving for your 14 year old daughter to go to college? Like, do you believe that? Mm. Like, if you actually believe that, then you wouldn't be saving for her to go there. You'd, you'd build her a shark cage and uh, tell her she was going to be homeschooled. (laughs) So no, they don't believe it. That's, that's the whole thing. Like they don't believe their own cooked numbers because they've cooked them and they understand them. No one, whatever, look, if there was a one in 10 chance that you're, child could uh, die in an airplane accident. Would you be saving up to get them their pilot's <laughs> license? <laughs> no, that would not be a good idea. Uh, you you hit on uh, in this area, too, on, on Lori Laughlin, which is one of my personal jihads. I do not understand why she is spending a minute in prison. I don't understand what she's being charged with. 
I think she was a little misled with what she did. However, like it's really just an extension of her attempting to be a good mother, I think unsuccessfully. But I think you could make the argument she's just she was just a great mom. I look, I, I have this thing in life, which is I I'm not interested in people being I, I didn't want Martha Stewart locked up. Mm-hmm. I don't like low level drug offenders locked up. I, I don't look, I don't, I didn't think Wesley Snipes should have went to prison. He didn't pay taxes. Okay. He owes the government money. Fine. You incarcerate people who owe your, owe you money. You don't incarcerate people who owe me money government. That's like, I just have a list of people I don't want in prison. The people that are earners, the people that aren't putting their hands on other people. I don't know that I don't need them in a cage. I don't need them in a place. I need them out here earning. I don't know how long Wesley Snipes did in prison, and I don't know what his tab was with the IRS, but I want him out here doing bad movies and paying (laughs) back the government, not us paying for him to be incarcerated. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's move over to uh, uh, Donald Trump here for a second. You have an obligatory chapter on Donald Trump, which I think is required in every in every book. Uh, You all that had some legitimate personal uh, experience with him. And I, I want you to, to talk about that. But before we get there, I could not believe you actually called his presidential election multiple times, including all the way back in 2008 on your radio show. We have the clip. Here it is. He's going to be president in eight years. You, you understand that, everybody? Ugh. You understand Donald Trump is going to be president. He'll be president one day. It'll be in our lifetime. Uh, what did you say that uh, we didn't? I don't know. Um, I have a brain that kind of tunes into things and stuff comes out of my mouth and I don't exactly know what I'm tuning into. The part that was, and I was making half of it as I was making a joke, but it's funny. I said eight years in 2008 and I don't even really know enough to know the presidential cycles. Like I wouldn't even know that was an election year. I was, I wasn't even doing the math. I just said in eight years, Mm. (laughs) but, um, and it obviously turned out to be 2016. Um, I've had some experiences with him and I realize how he operates and what he does. And he has this sort of, we're going to win again. We're number one kind of thing that everyone, when you're not around it, you go, okay, please, please, please. But when you're around it, you go, Hey, maybe we are number one. Maybe we are going to win again. Like this is going to be awesome. And he does that to people He did it to me when we were doing a show called The Marriage Ref a million years ago. uh, Tom Papa hosted it, and I think Seinfeld produced it. It may have been ABC, but whatever. He just came up to me. We were the guests on the show, and he just came up to me in the green room, and he's like, hey, Adam, this is going to be the highest-rated show they've ever had. You mark my words. And I was like, really? Why? And he's like, what do you mean? Why? We're on it. And it's going to be number one. And I started to buy into it. Like I started to go, yeah, maybe we are number one. This is going to be awesome. So I get it. Yeah, he has that power. And you kind of made the point in the book uh, of of tr- Trump does these things and they become part of him and it's priced in. You mentioned uh, an example of a, a, it's like Snoop Dogg smoking pot. It's, it's expected at this point. And it, it doesn't feel like it's out of the ordinary. It feels like something that is part of the package. Um, and he does have that power over people in a, I think in a good way sometimes and sometimes maybe not such a good way. 
Um, let me get to one more thing here before before we uh, before we let you go because I know you you got to take off. Um, you start off the book saying no apologies. I'm never going to apologize for anything. Um, that's not what I do. Uh, it's it's not a good idea. What makes you so special? That's what everyone's supposed to do these days. Well, you know, my book came out. Uh, I have documentaries that I sell. I, I tour the country and do stand-up shows. Uh, right now, I'm sitting in uh, a studio that I built in a warehouse that I own. So I don't work for Disney and I don't work for some subsidiary of Disney or any of that. I, I knew this was coming. I knew this cancer, this cancel cancer culture was coming or the cancer of cancel culture was coming. And I, I very meticulously sort of diversified and, 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 and built my own world. So I don't have to apologize. Nobody apologizes means it, but they have to apologize in order to keep their job because this super woke culture is, is by the way, who never stops decreeing what, what the horrible, uh, time called McCarthyism in this country who are now turned into McCarthyites who are going after everyone's job on a daily basis, like cowards. Some people have to listen to those people. I knew those people were coming one day and I didn't want to listen to them. So I built my own studio and put it in my own warehouse. Mm, that's the way you do it. That's America. I love it. Adam Carolla, he's the author of the new book, I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, Navigating Our All-Woke, No-Joke Culture. And it's a really, really funny book. Uh, it has a lot of great points in it, too, but you're just going to freaking laugh at it a lot. He's also the host of the Adam Carolla Show podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, be on the show, Adam. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Stu. All right. Back in a second. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Ah, yes, of course. Everything is racist. We actually have a photo of the noose now from the uh, Talladega track. Here it is. They've released it from NASCAR. Um, pretty impressive. Uh, here, that is the noose that was threatening the life of Bubba Wallace. Of course, it was just a garage door pull. Uh, now, they did take the picture in a very art, artsy way to cut off the top where the rope had been uh, severed and also kind of keep out of perspective how big it is. It's a very tiny loop. Uh, you could barely fit your hand in the loop. Looks a little more intimidating when it's hanging like that, but that is the actual picture. Is that actually racist? I mean, you know what? We'll give you the answer at the end of the segment. The answer key, end of the segment. You know how like when you used to be on those little kids' menus and then you have to flip the page over and you'd see all the answers of the questions? That's what we're going to do here. Is that racist or not? Uh, you think it down, write, maybe write it down, think it in your head, hold on to the answer, we'll give it to you at the end of the segment. Um, let me give you a couple more, other thing, a couple more things here for, for the question of is it racist? Um, let's go to this one. NBC uh, is, has an interesting thing going on. Megyn Kelly kind of won the internet the other day with just a simple tweet because NBC was all high and mighty and fired Megyn Kelly, if you'll remember, for talking about blackface. This innocuous question about blackface. Now the very same network apparently profits off of blackface jokes and has been doing so for years and years and years. Uh, Tina Fey and uh, NBC are pulling off episodes of 30 Rock because there were blackface jokes throughout it. 
No one seemed to care at the time. NBC didn't seem to care at the time. Um, but uh, given their own standard, I guess they'll just fire themselves. I I'm not sure how this works exactly. It's the only acceptable practice for this systemic racism from the top such as this. I will wait. Megan Kelly just responded, just said something to the effect of like, hey, uh, what network again was getting rid of the blackface? Hmm. So is that racist? Answer at the end of the segment. Uh, number three, how about this? Federalist has a great story today highlighting uh, the work of Nicole Hannah-Jones. She is the lead essayist on the New York Times 1619 project, uh, which is basically a, a project to historically justify the woke fever dreams of the left and say that everyone uh, has been racist since at least 1619. The U.S. history didn't start in 1776. It started before that and is all essentially the only thing you need to know about it is slavery and bad and evil and racism. Uh, she had an interesting essay that was uh, dug up by the Federalist. Here's some quotes from it. The White's lasting monument was the destruction and enslavement of two races of people. The descendants of these savage people, whites, pump drugs and guns into the black community, pack black people into the squalor of segregated urban ghettos, and continue to be bloodsuckers in our community. Hmm. Bloodsuckers used a lot. I remember Al Sharpton using that same phrase at one point. Um, more quotes. But after everything that those barbaric devils did, I do not hate them. I understand that because of some lacking, they needed to constantly prove their superiority. Uh, she was awarded a Pulitzer Prize for 1619 uh, and the project. And uh, was uh, even though it had to be corrected multiple times by actual historians of all different races. Uh, but is that racist? Answer at the end of the segment. Uh, next up we have, let's see, let's go with this one. Uh, here's a white woman yelling about racism at a couple of black police officers. When you take off your uniform, are you afraid of police? I have a, I have a question for you. You're white and you're telling this to two black police officers. Yeah. Do you see the problem with that a little bit? Um, no, I don't because, you know what, just because I'm white and I haven't experienced racism myself doesn't mean I can't fight for justice. Uh, they're a part of the system. Oh. They're a part of the problem. Just because they're black doesn't mean they're not a part of the problem. Okay. I'm allowed to say this to whoever. Because I'm white, racism is a white person's problem. Racism is my problem. Right. I need to fix it. That's why I'm here talking to all of them. Black, white, and brown, purple. You know, her mom's probably proud, right? Is that racist? I, I don't know. Answer at the end of the segment. Uh, how about this one? Uh, this is the BET founder talking about statues and whether they should come down. Watch. Look, the people who are basically tearing down statues, trying to make a statement, are, are basically borderline anarchists, the way I look at it. They really have no agenda other than the idea we're going to topple a statue because what? It's not going to close the wealth gap. It's not going to give uh, a kid whose parents can't afford a college money to go to college. It's not going to close the labor gap between what white workers are paid and what black workers are paid. Uh -huh. and it's not going to take people off welfare or food stamps. I mean, maybe, maybe if the statue's made of gold and you could sell the pieces. I don't know. You're probably right, though. It's probably not going to do any of those things. not going to accomplish anything. But is that racist? Answer at the end of the segment. And finally, we have a, a woman who is in front of the Lincoln statue that has been threatened to be taken down, not been taken down yet, 
Uh, protesters said they were going to do it, I think, last night. They didn't quite get to it yet, but eventually they probably will. It's a statue paid for by emancipated slaves who wanted to honor the memory of Lincoln. Frederick Douglass spoke uh, eloquently at the, uh, 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 the introduction of this statue. Um, here she is explaining what's actually going on with the statue. People tend to think of that figure as being servile, but through a second look, you will see something different perhaps. That man is not kneeling on two knees with his head bowed. He is in the act of getting up. And his head is up, not bowed, because he's looking forward to a a future of freedom. People have said, well, he's chained to Mr. Lincoln. Closer look, you will see that while there's a shackle on his right hand, he is holding the end of a broken chain, which means he has taken his freedom. He now realizes he's free. So I say, leave it, let it stand. Hmm, that sounds like a really good series of points by an African-American about a Lincoln statue where she goes through the history of how it was designed and what it actually means. The question, though, of course, is not, is is it true? Because truth means nothing anymore. The question is, is it racist? Very tough question on this one. Um, But we've arrived to the end of the segment where you can have your answers. Now, I hope you've been writing these down. There was, I think, six total examples. Are all these racist? Let's go one through six. Ready? Um, well, I guess we can just kind of group them all together. Well, yes, of course, they're all racist because everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. If your mailbox is anything like mine, 90% of the time, it's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, unholy amounts of coupons. Uh, But once a month, you do get a really cool reason to be stoked, and that's because of your box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every single month. And no matter what you're into, box of awesome is the coolest thing you're going to get because they've got everything covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. You know how you go through that situation where you find something cool and you're like, oh, I can't wait to tell all my friends about this? They're doing all that work for you already. Box of Awesome just does all the work, finds all the cool stuff, ships it to you, and then you get to tell other people about it if you want to. Or you can keep it all to yourself and just be, you know, just, it's a little selfish, but I, I don't put it past you. We're capitalists. I understand. To get started, uh, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. They make it really easy to be flexible. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over 70 bucks worth of gear inside, and honestly, a lot of them have a lot more than that. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code is STU. Make sure to use the code STU because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you get 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. The code is STU. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country now and what it will always mean to those who love and care about you the most. Uh, I'm wowed by what you did. And more importantly, I'm wowed by how you did it. This was very hard. I know it's not over. It's not. But obviously, I love you as a brother. Obviously, I'll never be objective. Obviously, Obviously, I think you're the best politician in the country. Oh, yeah. Um, But I hope you feel good about what you did for your people because I know they appreciate it. 
geez, what does Andrew know about Chris? I mean, there's got to be some weird brotherly thing. He's got some info on him for him to act like that. I will point out that was on a news network where the host of the show is interviewing his brother and saying he's the best politician in the country. Um, Andrew Cuomo actually, in reality, is awful. That's why AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com exists. It wouldn't exist if he wasn't awful. He is awful. And therefore, there's Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. I mean, this is not rocket science here. Um, Andrew Cuomo did a terrible job in New York. Uh, he was uh, he mismanaged uh, tens of thousands of people to their death. Is that uh, clear enough for you? Uh, his policies led to tens of thousands of deaths. Um, he has been a disaster and has done nothing but uh, self-aggrandize uh, and make himself into the story in New York. Uh, and now, because places like Texas, places like Arizona, places like Florida are having their first real battle with COVID-19, uh, and his, he's already passed because, you know, a lot of the very vulnerable people have already died in New York and they're not dying anymore, uh, he is now going to become the media darling again and be credited with all this amazing progress while other uh, states struggle. It will be agonizing, but I encourage you not to commit suicide because of it, even though it's going to be that Annoying. Let me give you just one quick way to look at this. We know these countries all around the world had big problems, huge flare-ups, um, massive issues with coronavirus. Let me give you the worst death rates in the world. Um, we are at 376 per million. 376 deaths per million. France at 455. Uh, Sweden, 516. Italy, 573. Spain, 606. The UK at 637. Belgium at 839. New York State, not the city, not the super, not, not, we're not talking all subways and skyscrapers, but the whole state, lots of rural areas in New York, 1,611, about double any other country on earth. That's how bad Andrew Cuomo is. In fact, bad is one way of looking at it. I would say Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. Check it out. Um, Texas is going into a tough period here. A lot of uh, counties now are putting on the mask requirements. I don't like mask requirements coming from government. Would say at this point, um, I'm pretty worried about the situation. I do think we are ramping up to a a situation where we're going to have a pretty serious issue here in the next few weeks. Uh, Hopefully we can get it under control. Uh, I would wear a mask. I will wear masks indoors. I'm a little bit out of the conservative uh, space, I guess, on this at times. I don't think my policies have differed all that much from uh, my my friends in the conservative space who are a little bit more skeptical about this. But I don't want to see this. I just I look, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to stop going to restaurants. Look at me. I obviously need to be in restaurants almost all the time to survive. Uh, I don't want to go back to that. I want to do anything I can to not go back to that. No more lockdowns for me. It will be look. It's a great side benefit if you live through this. I'm happy for you. I would like you to live. I think it would be great. You know, it's secondary to my restaurant intake, though. I don't want to go back to the time where I'm inside all the time and and I can't go. I can't go eat out on a nice patio. I can't go back to the movies. Uh, Sporting events never come back. I don't want that to happen. You living priority two, priority one. My life. Don't want to go back to lockdown. 
So I am happy to wear a mask. I am happy to do those things if needed. Um, it, you know, the, look, the latest study that came out with the masks was pretty promising. Uh, it was among uh, military members, and it showed that the mask was the most effective thing out of all of the uh, things they tested, including social distancing and washing your hands all the time. Washing your hands all the time did nothing, basically. I would say never wash your hands again. It's just my medical advice. I'd never wash them again after reading that study. No need to wash your hands in any circumstance. Just a quick safety tip. Um, I'll also uh, I'll also give you this. This is uh, a point of maybe we should just let the entire society melt down. They now yesterday it was um, uh, the mountain. Uh, you had Mount Rushmore. They wanted to get rid of that. Today they want to get rid of the Star Spangled Banner. Why? Because Francis Scott Key was apparently a, a racist. Now, look, everybody was a racist in 1776 through. 19 something it was a big problem okay their slavery existed he was a slave owner he said some things i've got the quotes here i could read them to you but then they'll take them out of context and act like i said them so i'm not going to say them to you but francis scott key had some issues okay a lot of people did back in the day the song is not about that we all understand that it's not about slavery it's not about racism um, it's silly to me to change it i mean you have to draw your line somewhere you can't change your national anthem i will say though if you really want to change the national anthem, I do have one suggestion. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Pretty well as an anthem. If you're trying to sell your home uh, right now, it can be challenging, especially because in some places you're not really allowed to go out of the house still. And, you know, it's it can be a weird experience. You need someone who really understands not only the real estate market, not only the real estate process, but what's going on right now. Like, how do you deal with selling or buying a house in the middle of the coronavirus situation? It's not easy. Um, if you need someone to, to, to figure out how to, to balance all of these things, to understand how to get the most uh, value uh, when you're buying a house or to sell your house for the most money, you need realestateagentsitrust.com. It's really a strange thing. It's our biggest financial uh, transaction that we ever have in our entire life. And for most people, it's just hiring a friend, hiring a friend of a friend, hiring some homeless person uh, who you found on a bench who said they were a real estate agent. Not a great idea. Not the best way to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com gives you a process. They are able to do all this for you. They screen all the agents before they put them on the site. So when you go on the site, you know the people there have been screened. They're the best agents in your area. They understand your values. They're going to take time to make sure this goes well. And you know what? If they blow it, they're going to get kicked off the site and probably lose business. So it's not a good thing for them either. Um, they're going to be... I've never... Honestly, never heard a, a complaint about realestateagentsitrust.com, and we've been doing these for a long time. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Glenn's company. He's done a great job putting it together, and it's served a lot of our audience. realestateagentsitrust.com. The only way to do, uh, destroy the algo bots is with your five-star reviews and subscriptions. Thank you for giving them. Uh, Stu does podcasting right. I've listened to virtually every conservative right-wing podcast there is. Stu is one of my new favorites. Funny, informative, and creative. I like this stupid show. Five freaking stars. How about this one? Best episode. The best episode of Stu Does America is where he plays the nightman cometh. He tried really hard to make the waitress fall for him. It's another show about Philadelphia, but... Uh 
The good news is they really got married in real life, so it's a happy ending. Uh, five freaking stars, by the way. How about this one? This stupid show. Stu has held me hostage, so I have to give him five freaking stars and write this stupid review. If everyone does the same, maybe I can stop listening to his show on repeat eight hours a day. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do that stuff. We'll see you tomorrow.